0: love transform restore a podcast by charles prince of the lyman church of christ i stand before the crowd listening for my name they shall be crucified this man is who to blame knowing what i deserve they free me from my chains. I turned to see His wretched face. I did not know it was His grace. You, if you freed me from the chains. If you took away my Welcome to episode eight of Love, Transform, Restore. And again, this is Charles Prince. I'm the minister of the Lyman Church of Christ. And today we're going to be continuing our talk of passages that are often taken out of context. Now, before we get into the podcast itself, a couple of things I do want to mention. One, um, we have a Facebook page. Um, I haven't promoted it yet, but it is available. If you type in on Facebook, Love Transform Restore Podcast, you will see the page. Um, I'm still setting it up. I'm still setting up links and also setting up some other things such as a username. So it will be easier for people to find the podcast, just type it in the, the URL and find it easier that way. Two, if you are listening to this podcast and you have any questions or comments that you have um, that you want to send to me, please email me at cprince at lymanchurchofchrist.org. Again, that's c cprince, c-p-r-i-n-c-e at lymanchurchofchrist.org. Uh, You can pause to get it down, rewind if you have to to get it, or you can go to the Facebook page. The email address is there as well. Uh, After I get done with this podcast, I am going to share it to my personal profile and also have the uh, church profile share it as well. And this Facebook page is primarily for um, promotion of the podcast and do not misunderstand me. The Lyman Church of Christ page, they share it, they promote it, and that is still going to continue. And I appreciate it still being shared on there. But the reason I'm making this Facebook page, or have created this Facebook page rather, is so that everything, so we can have a page and a source that solely is talking about the podcast. And I this will also allow me to do more promotional work for the pro- for the podcast and to spread the word about the podcast a little more, not just in the community of Lyman, but to as far as possible. So, listening to the podcast, please keep in mind. Please continue to share these podcasts. Um, they are they do a tremendous help in getting the word out. and uh, we're getting. More listeners each week. It's not large numbers, but we're just starting off, and I think that we're going to continue to get more numbers. And so, continue to share these either on your Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Uh, We're starting to do a little more promotion on Instagram as well to try to get the word out about these podcasts and get the truth out to more people the truth that we read about in the Gospels, uh, in the Gospel of Christ. And so, without further ado, let's get into the lesson. As I mentioned last week, the topic, rather the verses that we're going to discuss that are often taken out of context come out of the wonderful book of Romans, Romans chapter 10, Romans chapter 10. We're going to look at verses 9 and 10 right now because these two verses are often taken out of context and I'll explain how they are taken out of context in a bit. But right now, Romans 10, 9 and 10. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, sorry, putting the laptop on mute. Let me start over. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. These two verses are very beautiful verses. These verses gives us hope and knowing that we have hope in Jesus Christ, that we have a hope to be saved from our sins, to be saved from that everlasting punishment that is coming after the, you know, after the judgment day. And we must realize the blessedness that we have, that God had provided a way for us. Now, in answering the question, how is this verse, these two verses are taken out of context? How are they taught incorrectly? Well, the first thing we have to realize is that when these two verses are usually spoken, sometimes they're spoken together and sometimes they're spoken separately or maybe just verse 10 is spoken of mainly. But a lot of times when you hear people reference these verses and truthfully, you might see these verses probably more common in little tracks that you see in the bi- in the bathrooms or in other public places. I have not seen this much in Colorado, but back south where I'm from, Georgia, to be more specific, it was not uncommon to go um, into the bathroom. And when you get done using the bathroom, you go wash your hands. And it's not uncommon to see a little track next to the sink. And the track will be called the ABCs of Salvation. And it'll talk about what these ABCs are. And we're not going to discuss what exactly those term, what the uh, ABCs are, and concerning those tracks and the common belief on how to be saved today. However, when they get to the C, I will say the C stands for confess or the confession. They'll get to that part, and they'll usually have either Romans 10, 9, Romans 10, 9 and 10, or Romans 10, 10, any combination of the verse or just one of the other. And they'll say that this is the point after which you have done this, you are saved. Now, some will say, will add on that the confession is actually a two-part And actually confessing that you believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. And some might have a written out confession for you to say. And then some will say that an additional part is needed, a prayer to be said, or what's called the sinner's prayer. Now, sinner's prayer is a technique that has been fading out over the years, but it still is heavily believed in a number of pockets of the Christian worldview. But it is fading. Nonetheless, it is still taught to a degree. And the thing that we must understand from this is while it is true that confession does lead to salvation, we must realize that this is not the only verse in the Bible that says something must be done to be saved. And you're thinking to yourself, oh, okay, wait a minute. If it says here in verse 10, with the mouth one confesses and is saved in which in talking about earlier in that verse for with the heart one believes and is justified so if you take that verse you think okay all i have to do is believe and then confess that i am saved and that if you're reading that that's true however that's not the only verse that says that something must be done to be saved other actions are required Now, you might be thinking to yourself, oh, wait a minute, where are you getting at with this? Well, first, before we look at any other verses, let's continue on reading. Let's not stop at verse 10. Let's go to verses 11 through 17. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame, but there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches in all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of Christ. And so we're seeing a lot is happening in these verses here, verses 11 through 17, that it is simply not just of believing and confessing, but one must also hear. They must understand that they must hear the actual gospel of Christ, that they must hear what it is. What is this good news? And seeing the many things mentioned here, especially in realizing verse 12, for there's no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who who call on him. In verse 13, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And a lot of people will also look at verse 13 and say, look, this confirms what it says in verse 10, that for the one, for with the heart one believes and is justified and the mouth one confesses and is saved and if you just took it at face value like that yeah it looks like that this is indeed all one has to do however one must take in consideration the context first of all who is paul drew inspiration writing this letter to he is writing this to the romans to the christians in rome So, with that being said, if he's writing this to the Christians in Rome, does he have to put down in this chapter everything that's required to be saved? No, he doesn't. Why? Because these individuals already know what it is that they have to do to be saved. And now you're probably looking and listening to this and thinking to yourself, okay, what are you getting at? It says right here that with the mouth one confesses and is saved. And it also says in verse 13, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And that is true. But keeping that thought in mind, keeping in, that, in the same letter of Romans, turn with me to chapter 6. Turn with me to chapter 6 of Romans, and we're going to be doing some lengthy reading. We're going to read verses 1 through 14. Romans 6, 1 through 14. and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. It's interesting here that we see the action of baptism and that we are buried with Christ. You know, we are buried. We die like Christ. We, in that likeness, we die in that figurative likeness like him buried in that figurative likeness like him and when we come out of that watery grave we are a new creation and that if we die like him figuratively speaking that we will also be resurrected like him and what's intriguing to realize is that it makes the comparison of the death of christ and the death that we do through baptism and saying that we become dead to sin that we no longer let sin reign in our mortal bodies. That when we are dead and we put away that old self, as we see in verse 6, and crucified with him, we are no longer enslaved to sin. Now, back over in chapter 10, it talks about the term saved. Saved there, what are we being saved from? Saved from eternal damnation but also saved from sin. We have been rescued from sin. So if through baptism we are dead to sin, that means that sin is no longer to be a part of our lives, then shouldn't that mean that that also means that is a means by way we are saved? Indeed it is. Now you think to yourself, okay, so, are you saying that there are two ways to be saved? Definitely not. I am not getting at that at all. But then you ask yourself, okay, but why are you bringing us over to Romans 6 then? I mean, we already discussed that in Romans 10, you know, with the mouth that confession one is saved. But then you bring us over to Romans 6, and you're telling me that we, when we come dead to sin through baptism, that we are, you know, that that is a way, you know, we are no longer part of sin, that old self is no longer there, then what are you getting at? And I promise you you will see where I'm getting at here. Because I want us to understand something about scripture. And at this point, I like to make a comparison to something non-religious. I'm a big fan of The Hunger Games series. I love The Hunger Games series. Um Honestly, I've seen the movies before I read the books. My wife convinced me to read the books. I did. I enjoyed the books much better than the movies. And same thing with other series of books, maybe Harry Potter series and other series uh, that I love to read. Now, I bring this up because if I have never heard of Harry Potter or the Hunger Games series, never seen anything about it and whatnot, would it make logical sense for me to pick up um, maybe in uh, for the Harry Potter series would it make sense for me to pick up The Order of the Phoenix which is the fifth book and start from there and start reading Hunger Games would it make sense for me to start with the third book in the trilogy uh, Mockingjay Is it make sense for me to uh, to read that without reading books one and two no it doesn't because we understand that in order to get the complete picture and the complete idea of what's going on in these books or in these universes, as some might call them, we understand that we have to understand the full context and fit the puzzle together on how these characters had gotten to where they are at. Now, I use that as an example because sometimes we forget that scripture is no different. Now, Understand, scripture is not fiction like those books, but scripture is similar in that one must not rely on one passage to get all of their information. Just as I, if I was to read one chapter of any book of any series that's not even the first book and expect to have an understanding, it's not going to happen especially with no knowledge beforehand of what is taking place. So when we look at Romans chapter 10, we must realize that while those two verses are true there in verses 9 and 10, many people don't realize there are other verses that talk about salvation. So what is it we're getting at? So that means that salvation, there are pieces to the puzzle we must fit. So, no, there's not more than one way to come to God, but there is a process, and each piece of the puzzle fits in where it needs to fit in. Confession and belief is needed, but those are only pieces of the puzzle. Baptism is included, as we just read in Romans 6, but these are pieces of the puzzle. For instance, in Hebrews 11 in verse 6 and this context here is in reference to Noah and or Enoch rather and realizing in verse 6 and without faith it is impossible to please him for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him which I do prefer the older translations were rendering there of diligently seek him and realizing that There is, uh, that faith is needed. That belief is absolutely needed. But as mentioned, these are pieces of a puzzle. Because would you be surprised if I told you that while Romans 10, 9, and 10 says that, that if you go over to Mark 16 and verse 16, it says, he that believes and is baptized shall be saved. So you're now being told that something else, you know, you're told, oh man, so are you tell me there's another verse that has that same wording saved in it? Well, well, what am I to do? You know, what exactly, you know, what, you know, how do I interpret this? Would you be surprised if I told you in first Peter chapter three in verse 20 and 21 that Peter through inspiration is making a comparison of Noah and the flood waters that came on the earth and a comparison to an action that we've been discussing in which in 1 Peter 3, 20 and 21, because they formerly did not obey, when God's patience waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through water. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so in realizing that, We come to, we have to make some decisions. Is the Bible giving us more than one way? No, because we must realize that if there's multiple verses saying certain actions need to be done to be saved, then that means God expects us to fit the puzzle together and realize that every part of this is equally important. I might be speaking out of term here, but the reason I believe the Holy Spirit chose in separate passages in showing these different actions that are needed to be saved or for the forgiveness of sins, is so to realize that each of these steps are equally important. Not one is more important than the other. And we must realize that that is such an important thing. You know, turn with me to Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17. I want to look at verse number 30. In Acts 17 and verse 30, scripture tells us the times of ignorance God overlooked, but now He commands all people everywhere to repent. He's commanding that repentance is a necessity. Is a necessity. It has to be done. That does not make belief less important, does not make confession less important, doesn't make baptism less important, but it means that repentance God views it as equally as important, equally important as the other steps that we have listened or that we have mentioned this evening. And realizing that, that there are several steps and that pieces of the puzzle must be combined. We must come to some realization on how does that logically fit? Because some might say, well, when does baptism come? You know, and that's why acts chapter 2 does an amazing job acts chapter 2 look starting at verse 37 and we're going to talk a lot about verse 37 right now acts 2 verse 37 now when they heard this they were cut to the heart and said to peter and the rest of the apostles brothers what shall we do For those that never read Acts chapter 2, this was the day of Pentecost, um, 50 days after Passover, so 50 days after the death of Christ and the burial, you know, not exactly that number, but it's been a good bit after the resurrection of Christ. And what we must realize is that the death of Christ was still on their minds. Peter, um, his sermon is recorded here. He's talking to them about Jesus Christ. He's talking to them about how they had crucified the son of God. And he uses a lot of Old Testament examples and showing that Jesus was predestined to come and that he was that he had a duty and that he had a duty to do what he needed to do. And called upon and mentioned about prophecies that was prophesying this particular day and this era that was to come. And in verse 22 of Acts chapter 2, men of Israel, hear these, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that, that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know. And in verse 23, pay attention to this. This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men, in which he makes this uh, similar statement later on in this uh, in this chapter, in which he quotes David in talking about how David had said in verse 28, or actually verse 25 to 28. For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, for He is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore, my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope for you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your holy one see corruption. You have made known to me the path of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. Verse 29, brothers, I may say to you of confidence about the patriarch David that he both died and was buried and his tomb is with us to this day. And he makes mention that David was not talking about himself here because he is still buried with, you know, still buried on earth. But Christ is not buried. He resurrected. He overcame death. He was not going to see corruption as we see there in verse 27. His soul will not be abandoned to Hades as we see there in that same verse. So they are being told that they have crucified the Christ. And verse 37 is so important because when they're asking, what shall we do? they were cut to the heart. So verse 37 tells us a lot of what is going on. One, if they were cut to the heart and they're asking, "What shall we do?" This means that they have produced enough faith to be convicted that they need to do something. So they have faith. But before faith, they had to hear. They heard the word of God. They have heard from Paul, from peter and the rest of the apostles this message the message that they had delivered up the son of god they delivered him up so with upon hearing that they produced enough faith to understand that they had messed up even though as peter mentioned it wasn't the foreknowledge of god it was part of the plan of god but they had delivered up the messiah to be killed So they recognize that they had a problem. They believe that they indeed killed the Son of God and that the Son of God, that Jesus of Nazareth, was indeed the Messiah they was looking for. So they've heard, as we've read in verses 11 through 17 of Romans chapter 10, they believe, they had enough belief that they wanted to know what was the next step. Because they're asking, what shall we do? They're not booing them out the building. They're not trying to stone them. They are seriously asking what it is can they do to be saved from the fact that they have killed Jesus Christ. And so we see the hearing and the belief already there. And verse 38 is especially important. Because since we see that they have heard and they have believed, then we must see what Peter is going to tell them. And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. He's telling them, repent and be baptized. So we see in logical order, upon hearing the word of God, they then had hearing what they have heard. They believed what they had heard. And with that belief, Peter's telling them that they need to repent and be baptized. And also, as we read in Romans 10 9 and 10, confession is needed. So, but the, here's the thing you might think to yourself, okay, well, why don't we see confession here? Well, if they have that belief and if they're willing to be baptized, then logically, we come to the conclusion that they have no problem professing that faith. They had no problem asking what they needed to do to be saved. So it is logical for us to conclude that they would have given that confession and had no problem confessing, oh yes, I believe I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And can you imagine? That confession might have sounded a little different than what we might typically think about confession. Think that I believe. You know, I can imagine someone being so convicted and saying that I believe That the Son of God that I have put to death is indeed the Son of God, and that He is going, that He will save me from my sins if I am obedient to Him. And which, if you think about it, all of our sins put Jesus on the cross. We put Jesus on the cross, and we get to confess that name despite us having done that to Him. And that's an amazing thing. So, that's the reason why we can logically see that, yes. One who believes and confesses the name of Christ will be saved. Yes, one who um, believes and is baptized, as we'll see in Mark 16, and verse 16, will be saved. We see here that one who repents and is baptized will be saved. In 1 Peter 3, 21, seeing that baptism saves us today. So we take those things, and Acts 2 perfectly puts those things in order for us to see that hearing the word of God is a necessity to salvation. Having faith is a necessity to salvation. I mean, we just read in Hebrews 11 and verse six, without faith, it is impossible to please him. Verse six of what we just, what we just mentioned in chapter 11 makes it very clear that belief in our faith is extremely important, but it is a necessity. That repentance is needed. Changing one's life from sin and wanting to turn to God is a necessity. Confession is a necessity and being baptized is a necessity. All of those things make salvation. And I want to talk a little bit about baptism here because one of the most common things that you'll hear about baptism, there's two extremes that are often talked about baptism. You have, because if you're listening to this podcast and you have never heard about baptism being required for salvation. And I want to talk about this because it's debated a lot in the Christian world. And I want to talk about this because, first of all, um, there's two groups. There's one group that will tell you that baptism is not a necessity, it's an optional thing. And we'll discuss that. After I mention what's the other group, then you got the other group that go the opposite direction and ignore the first four steps we talked about, you know, hearing, believing, repent, and confess, and will put so much emphasis on baptism that they make it seem like that baptism is the only step that's needed. And neither of those views are correct. And I'm going to explain why. The first view about baptism not being essential you may have heard it worded very differently than what i say but one of the most common beliefs about baptism is that baptism is just an outward sign of what has occurred inside of us so in other words many people many religious groups will teach that you are saved after making the confession because again they are going to Romans 10, 9, and 10 and using those verses only to discuss what is salvation. And in which we're going to go back to chapter 10 because there's something else we're going to point out for that as well. But they'll go to that and they say, okay, you're saved. We now need to let people see what has happened to you. So they will say that baptism is just a ceremonial thing to just show the world what has occurred inside of you. Which, first off, there is nowhere in Scripture that teaches that is what baptism is for. We've read a number of verses that say that baptism is for salvation, is for the forgiveness of sins. Um, Some will even take verse 38 of Acts chapter 2 and say that the word for there does not mean in order to receive forgiveness of sins, but because of remission of sins. Well, the problem with that is that the word there, which those not familiar with scripture, the Bibles that we have are translated from original languages of Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic. And the New Testament translated from Greek must realize that there's words. These come from the original Greek words. And the Greek word there is ace. I promise I'm not giving a language lesson here. I just want us to get understanding. The word ace, that word means in order to receive. So that same word is used when Jesus established the Lord's Supper in Matthew's account of Matthew 26. So if someone was to say, well, you know, we're baptized because of forgiveness of sins, then the problem is when Christ's establishing the lord's supper talks about the fruit of the vine and saying this fruit you know is representing his blood because of the forgiveness of sin no because that doesn't make sense because christ's blood will be shed it had to be shed in order for us to receive that forgiveness of sin so one would have to replace that word as well and it doesn't make sense matthew 26 and if you want to look up that passage that's matthew 26 26 through 29 and so that verse would get affected if use if people try to tell you that that's what it means here. no, the word for there literally means in order to receive the forgiveness of sins, so we got a number of verses that tells us baptism is a necessity for that with that in mind um they so we see that, but the question is there you know is there a way for people to see what is happen to you coming to christ and the answer is is yes there is an outward showing of what has occurred inside of us but it is not true what people try to say baptism is for we already established this for the forgiveness of sins so how is it can people show on the outside that outward sign some will call it outward sign of inward grace how does one show that well, the Bible actually tells us how we are shown that. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, we're going to look at verses 15 through 20. Matthew 7:15 through 20. This is talking about false teachers, but I want us to especially look on after because I want to take this a little out of context and talk about fruits. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. And yes, this is recognized of false teachers, but this also tells us that how will people know what has happened inside of us? By our fruits. And what kinds of fruits? Turn with me to Galatians. Galatians chapter 5. We're going to look at verses. Well, actually, we're going to start a little earlier before that. I want to start at verse 16, and we're going to go down to verse 25. Against such there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. So how do we have that outward sign of what has occurred inside of us? Through the fruits that we bear and we see that with the fruits of the Spirit uh, of love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and we forsake the things of the flesh as we see in verses 19 to 21. We forsake those things because we are different. When we come to Christ, that is our outward showing of what has occurred through the grace of God. Salvation is the grace of God, in which we'll talk a bit about that near the end of this podcast. And so we discuss that we can see that outward showing, we have that outward showing through those fruits of the Spirit. Now, let's talk about the other side. There are some who go as far as, and there's some that will even say the other four steps, but will not emphasize them at all, and will just focus on the fact that baptism is the main important thing. And yes, It is important because it is not until we've done that step that we have completed our journey to salvation, but one just cannot just be baptized without having those other four things because it is evident when we look at the fruits of the Spirit, and especially looking at the things of the flesh, the works of the flesh in verses 19 to 21 of Galatians 5, that... A change in the life is needed, and the only way one can change is being convicted by the Word of God, similar to how those people on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 was convicted by God's Word, and that they were convicted to the point that they knew that something had to change, and they were willing to change their lives. They were willing to have that faith, and as we see later on um, other in chapters previously, and even at the end of chapter 2, we see that their faith continuously grows and grows and grows. So faith is definitely important. Having God's word, reading God's word or hearing God's word is especially important because one cannot get into that watery grave without even knowing why they're doing it in the first place. And then that repentance, which I will admit, we do not take repentance very seriously. Repentance is one of the hardest things to do because you're asking a human to change. And we as humans, we hate change. does not matter who you are. I know some younger generations say the older people don't like change. No, that's not true. Nobody likes change. Change takes getting used to. Change takes practice because you are now trying to establish new habits, new um. You're trying to establish a new life, a new identity. And in Christ, we have our identity in Christ. And we must strive to live to the best of our ability like him. And then the confession. And a lot of times we take that for granted too. And not realizing that those very words we are saying, um, I always like, and I'll give credit to my dad for this. He, um, when baptizing someone, in which I have uh, said it to, that he'll say that the same words that has brought death to our savior. Also, I mean that the same words that brought death to our savior brings you life. That's powerful. That the same words you know, Christ, he said, I am the Christ. I am he selling it to Pilate sealed his doom, even though that doom was predestined and it was for our own good. Those same words brings us life. And upon having all that, we then go in that watery grave. We're cleansed of our sins because with that being cleansed of our sins, those previous four steps helps us recognize we need Christ and we need to get rid of our sins. So it makes sense that those four steps brings those things up to the surface like dirt on skin. And then when you wash in the watery grave, being, making contact to the blood of Christ, being risen again, as we just read in Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 14. Making that contact, we are cleansed. That sin, that whole process that made us recognize we need Christ, baptism rounds it up. It rounds it out. We have completed it. And that whole process is what we call salvation. This whole process is what we call salvation. God's grace. We did not, and we still do not, deserve a chance to be in God's presence. But through Jesus Christ, as he's told us in John fourteen six, I am the way, the truth, and the light. No one comes to the Father but through me. So through Jesus, we get to have a relationship with God like no one prior to his death on the cross, his burial, and his resurrection has had previous to that point in time, except for Adam and Eve before they sinned. That's how amazing God's grace is, that he provided us with that way to come to him. And I know which that's going to be the scripture we're going to be looking at next week, um, ironically enough, because... Um, That's a passage that's taken out of context as well when looking at it. And that verse that I'm referring to, because it is not uncommon to hear people say that, well, you know, with God's grace, that nothing needs to be done or that, or there's a lot of misteachings on grace. I just got done teaching uh, or preaching a series on grace and, One thing that we're definitely going to be looking at is Ephesians 2.8. We're going to be looking at that next week. Ephesians 2.8, that verse is taken out of context and a lot of misconceptions with it. Uh, So if you want to keep that in mind, Ephesians 2.8, we're going to be looking at that next week. So definitely keep that in mind and looking at that and keeping the thoughts in mind that we have mentioned this evening. Uh, whenever you're listening to this, it's evening right now. But um, we are blessed that God has given us this way to come to him because if we did not have it, we'd be in trouble. And I am so glad God has blessed us with a way. And as I mentioned, if you've been told that Romans ten nine and 10 is the only thing you have to do or along with, you know, and again, the ABCs of Salvation, we'll discuss that another time, and which those ABCs are not bad in themselves. They're scriptural, but they leave out the rounding out of the baptism. But also at the same time, please be wary of those that push only just getting into the water for no reason. I mean, they'll say it's hard to forgive sin. But if you don't even recognize that you need to come to Christ, then you're just getting wet. So we discuss a lot about. plan of salvation you've uh, if you've listened to previous podcasts you've heard me mention the plan of salvation and we went a lot in depth about it because there's a lot of misteaching about romans 10 9 and 10 and i want to finish off with this a lot of people look at verses um 9 and 10 and real, and looking at um that confession and the belief there but i want us to look at one verse there because a lot of people miss verse 13 or they will get the verse 13 but they'll as I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast will say that it backs up verses 9 and 10. Romans 10 13 I'll reread it for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved and what many do not realize is that baptism is found right there in verse 13. Now you probably might be thinking what I don't see baptism anywhere in that Turn with me to Acts chapter 22 and verse 16. Acts chapter 22 and verse 16. And now, why do you wait? Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. So, being baptized is how we call on his name. So, we even see it there in verse 13 that this is what happened. And keep in mind too, who's writing this. Paul is the one writing this. He was the one that was told that he was told by um, Ananias. He was told. That is how he calls on the name of the Lord. So he's just repeating information that he was told. I mean, that was things that called to his remembrance by the Holy Spirit. So he in essence is literally telling them that baptism still is needed. Now understand this, I want to make this disclaimer. There are some translations that read that verse 16 reads like this. Um some translations will say this and now why do you wait and i'm just reading from my translation but i'm change but i'm going to but i'm reading but i'm going to change what they change in it so uh, i'm not literally reading from another translation i'm reading from mine but changing what the other translations put or putting what the other translations put and now why do you wait rise and be baptized and have your sins washed away by praying to him first of all one, we talked a little bit about the Greek, um, you know, the original language of Greek. And when I first saw that, I looked up a lot of Greek New Testaments. No Greek or say Greek, original language, whichever term you want to use, no manuscript supports the wording and have your sins washed away by praying to Jesus. Because they'll say be baptized and then they will make it seem like that the washing away of the sins comes from praying to Jesus. That is not correct. The translations that read baptized and wash away your sins. That term and there is a conjunction. So which means that the washing away of sins and baptism are conjoined. And that's how it reads in the original manuscripts. And the original manuscripts give us the indication that it is by doing this is how we call on the name of the Lord. So I pray that this has been a tremendous help to you and helping you understand the scripture more. And I know a lot of times there's a lot of confusion a lot of confusion into understanding, um, you know, what exactly is the right thing to do because so many people will tell you there are all these different things you have to do to be baptized, or um, not to be baptized, but to be saved. And there might even be some groups that will tell you there's more, way more steps you have to do than just four to be baptized. Don't listen to them either. Listen to what the word of God has to say. And that is our goal here with this podcast, Love, Transform, Restore, is for you and any and all of us to understand that we have a responsibility to obey God and not man, to turn to the word of God and not to man 's understanding, so I pray that this podcast has been of tremendous help to all of you that are listening and whatnot and I pray that you all will have a um, have a better understanding of what all we have talked about this evening. And I pray that if you have any questions, please contact me either on the Facebook group or on the email on the Facebook page. And again, I will, prop, I will promote that page so everyone can see it. So again, tune in next week. Thank you all for tuning in. You all have a good rest of your week. And to God be the glory. Morning. Morning for you. Same.